Welcome to the Silicon Trail Podcast. My name is Michael, and with me is my co-host, Johnny. On the Silicon Trail, we discuss recent technology and business trends, and observe where technology is going with an eye for unmet gaps and potential opportunities. I think this is where a company like Apple should win, right? Because they're always about UI and UX, right? That's another part of American culture. Yes, that's that's the that's the vain stupidity walking into an Armageddon. They're already making a play to move live sports into the streaming space, and if live sports is big of a driver of streaming as it is in live TV, that is a big. Deal. It doesn't have a screen. It doesn't have a screen. It's a car. No, and you can't connect it to screen. No. They still sell the iPod Shuffle? No. Who are paying a lot of money for a service they probably don't use. Today's episode is recorded on March 29th, 2020. Today we'll be giving an update on the COVID-19 situation and our main topic for today will be the streaming wars. Dun, dun, dun. And the streaming wars require a dun, dun, dun. I thought yeah. war would be like a more of a war drum situation, like boom, 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 boom. All right, fine. I'll let you do the sound effects. That's why you're in charge of editing. Now, <laughs> what, is, what is the latest? <clears throat> All right, so. You are in the Great Bay Area. I am in the Great Bay Area where uh, like everyone be, is hoarding food. Which looks like it'll be one of the next epicenters of this crisis. I thought it was already an epicenter of the crisis. I know Trump is thinking about, did you see that news where Trump is thinking about quarantining New York? And then the New York uh, government straight up said, we have no idea how we can legally enforce a quarantine, we're not China. Yes, I did see that. And that was interesting. Um, so this is one thing I do want to say on this topic mm-hmm. is, even before New York, now I don't know the exact timelines because I'm sure there was cases popping up all over one or two. Because uh, right. even we had cases as far back as like January and February. But yeah, it started. I think the first case in the United States was in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the first one they actually t- tested because yep. scientists point. ignored federal guidelines and said we're going to test, and then they decided they found that it was an issue. But that's my point, and that's what I'm getting at, which is now that like, I Google coronavirus on YouTube just to see what's going on. It's like New York has has taken up all the air, right? Has taken yep. all the oxygen out of the air and it's just all New York. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Seattle has been in a state of, or Washington state has been in a state of crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, California, Bay Area has been pretty bad. Um, now they're saying New Orleans is gonna be pretty bad. Florida is growing. So why is everything just about New York, New York, New York? And of course, being New York with the biggest population, and of course, being in New York, it's going to be the city that everyone pays attention to. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely ahead of the other cities. I just, I, I think, yeah, part of it is the nature of New York, right? Where Bay Area, you're kind of spread out uh, versus New York, it's a very dense population. Uh, of course, my parents live in Belgium. Belgium has a population of, let's say, 12 million. Uh, it has almost 11,000 cases and yep. 431 deaths. By comparison, Germany, which I need to go look up the population, 
but is much, much larger than Belgium, both physically and from a population standpoint, has 455 deaths and it has, okay, well, almost 60,000 cases. There was actually an article about how Germany was, uh, what's it called, had somehow less overall deaths, or not less overall deaths, but less deaths per capita. It did, than, but it, it kind of went up. Like, it because around that up. time that everybody was saying Germany had a low death rate, it had like 170 people dead, mm-hmm. which is very little compared to its population. But right now it's up to 455 and growing. And that's like within this week. I think there is something to it too about the European, or not the European culture, because I don't think Germany has this culture. The closer European culture compared to North America, and which is which is not forget maybe not social distancing, but I remember you were telling me stories back when you first came to this country about your you tried to do a European greeting, you know, of course the hug and the two kisses to oh. Americans and the different responses that that elicited out of Americans versus Europeans. Yeah, it made me just start handshaking people. Um, yeah, but that's it's true. Um, and I think there is something to, to be said to that, but, you know, you still have people partying in Florida. Um, that now That's another part of American culture. Yes, that's, okay. that's, the, that's the vain stupidity walking into an Armageddon. That's American culture, all right? But talking about uh, COVID-19 response and how it impacts our individual lives. So how has another week of work from home been? Uh, For me, I'm on the more paranoid side of folks. So uh, last Saturday I went shopping, grabbed everything I could, made a run while stuff was stocked early in the morning. And except for one day I, I, I stepped out to just drive around just to see what the, what my city looks like. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to downtown yet, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, work from home. Like I said, I've done it before. That wasn't too new to me. My place is pretty much set up uh, for that. So that's fine. It's just, um, you know, the, <laughs> well, yeah, the whole, the whole thing is very isolating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how has it been for you? Are you now adjusted? So- uh, pretty much. So a few, few setups. I think my desk has now finally reached its final state in which I've had the standing desk set up. Of course, I have all the cameras set up and all the cables now. I think I had this entire thing for a week. So I was standing during meetings and taking different meetings standing. And then I have, I think on Wednesday, I arrived the standing pad. So it doesn't hurt my knees and my ankles to stand all day. So I think my setup is completely completed now, at least for the duration of the next several months. One of the things um, I had read was that Twitter, which, you know, um, I think they first said, hey, you know, you can work from home. Then they were like enforcing everybody work from home. Like most companies, I was reading a part, I think it was their HR head, um, that she was saying that some people had been hesitant about it. Some people were excited about it. But now, now that obviously everyone's been forced to do it, they said like people are now finding the rhythm, people are liking it, people are enjoying it more. That I don't know for hundred percent if they will do it, but it sounds like Twitter will much become much more remote friendly. Right. And it sounds like it might use this as an opportunity to transition most, uh, most or a certain number of its employees to be uh, remote only, which I thought right. was really interesting. Um, my question to you is you know, you're a product manager, right? So, I mean, your whole point is shepherding people. 
So do you see, I think we talked about this a little bit, but now that you've had, now this is your third week, right? Right, third week. Third week of working remotely, do you see as a PM that you could, I mean, of course, there might be some changes, so maybe you could speak to that, but given your experience, can you say, hey, you know what, maybe my next company uh, would be fully remote and I'd be okay with it? I'll answer that question in two parts. So first from my company, I still dislike working from home. I think that's a generalistic thing, but I still dislike working from home definitely for my company currently. Now, granted, a part yeah. of that is I, the, the company culture that is formed and that I'm used to and the kind of practices that I'm used to is very in-person. So what I mean by that is I have a social one-on-one with one of the leads in my organization. And really, for all of my one-on-ones, what I really enjoy doing is just walking to the coffee shop with them or just taking walking meetings. That kind of meeting culture is actually pretty common within the company because we have such large buildings. So I think for the the environment that already exists or for the teams that already exist and everything that's been established with me and my team for the past two years, I don't think that can easily be transitioned to a work-from-home-only situation. Now, to answer your second part of your question, starting from scratch, could I, could I see myself being a PM of a constant remote situation? Maybe. But it would have to start from that. It cannot become that because I just still feel there is a, there's an inefficiency with my role in there. News of the week. All right. First one, this impacts me. Declining ad rates, despite rise of uses of social media. This was, this was of course, without going into too much details, several meetings for me last week. But yeah, Johnny, you want to talk a little bit about this? Well, yeah, I mean, for, first off, in the, in, the, uh, in the link that you sent me, it's declining ad rates may signal a reset for startup SEM strategies. Uh, this was from TechCrunch. It's their extra crunch uh, where you pay to read the rest of the article. But who does anyone actually like, pay for extra crunch? I you know. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to figure that one out. So my question is simply, I know what SEO is, but what is SEM? Search engine monetization. Oh, right. oh okay. I guess that makes sense. So no, I, the, the, the I, oh, sorry, course, search engine marketing, not monetization, search engine marketing. Gotcha. I mean, you work for, you know, an ad company, so you should at least know these things. I, that's why I ask you. So no, I don't, I don't pay for extra crunch. So I just saw the little blurb. But this wasn't the first time I saw this. I saw not this exact, well, this topic of Facebook. Well, yeah, in this case it was Facebook said it's like its usage has has skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. But ad sales have gone down. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it's not just Facebook. It's all the other guys that are in this ecosystem. So that's what was really interesting to me. It's like, okay, well, well, couple of things right now because everyone's work forced to work from home uh, forced to be social social distancing as we should be as responsible citizens of this world we now have of course bigger um we're making more usage of facebook twitter uh you know google for information it's like the early Instagram, 2010s again everyone's on facebook twitch 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 is mm-hmm. uh, skyrocketing right streaming uh, which will lead to some of our later stories but i think what's 
this kind of shows is that you could have all the users in the world, but because of you know companies are cutting back, and of course one of the first easy things to cut back is why do I need to spend marketing? No one's going to buy my stuff right now because people right. are getting you know fired, unfortunately laid off, or people are pre preserving their cash. Yeah, there's there's an interesting few things going on in the ecosystem, and uh, without going into too many details, just general trends that you could expect to happen in such a situation. So for one, of course, usage goes up like crazy. If you're thinking about that, not even from an ad space, just think about that from an infrastructure space. There's so much more usage all of a sudden, and that causes a strain on your system. However, the flip side of that now is, of course, two things drive down ad buys or ad clicks during this time. One is general economic uh, worries or trends with people. So we and this this wasn't one of the stories, but America just reported a three million uh, people unemployment claims, first time unemployment claims, within the last week, and people now just are tightening their purse strings in general uh, throughout this recession time. So there's less buying. Same time, of course, as you just said, this hits small and medium businesses. This hits hospitality. This hits a lot of industries where they're trying to figure out how to cut back on their advertiser spending and the systems that they use for that. This also creates a different situation where as these small players go out, the big players actually dominate now more of the advertiser, uh, more of the advertiser spent. Would the cost of an ad then be dropped in order to incentivize certain types of demand? Because even the, as you said, certain demand will come from mm -hmm. other big players, but even that demand may not still be able to make up for the so loss naturally, of, so naturally loss that of the small happens. businesses. Uh, so naturally that happens. So for example, this, this is true for Google, this is true for Facebook, this is true for all right. ad spaces. Ads are placed on bid systems and these bid systems are automatic. And most, what most companies do with web ads, they have an individual, they have an individual budget and different bid constraints that they're willing to spend over a period of whether it's a quarter, a month, so on and so forth on different ad spaces. And if all of a sudden a lot of your competition goes away, your bid sizes normally are going to go down because it's an automated system. Now there's limits in this system, of course, so you're not paying like zero cents per ad impression. Right. But naturally in the system, which is, uh, which is automated with less overall bids going in, there's going to be a decrease in prices that you're going to pay for the individual ads as well within some purpose. Automatic bid pricing is not the only uh, system for placing bids and showing ads in web ads. Another interesting thing that comes from that is I think I read an article where people are afraid that there's going to be somewhere around a 40% drop in web advertiser revenue this year, which of course for Google, Facebook, and all the others that require this, it require a bunch of ad spend. That's a uh, troubling news. Because now that you brought this up, one, one thing that I have is all these companies like you know, Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, Amazon, they have billions and billions of dollars in cash assets mm -hmm. that they they're going to weather the storm right right um, so yeah even though their revenue might get hit they're not like like google's not about to close their doors right facebook's mm -hmm. not about to close their doors so they're they're going to come back stronger and they're going to come back and be able to take advantage of the weakened ecosystem i think speaking of the degenerative effects of this on the environment and in tech johnny are, are you are about to move to our next story yeah, so this was yours. I'll let you take it. Oh, yes. 
Groupon. So, yeah, so, so Groupon has axed both their CEO and their COO. And this was, to be honest, probably a long time coming, but has been certainly accelerated. So Groupon used to be, of course, the tool that allowed you to get discounts on group events, thus the name Groupon, or group buying opportunities. Then it starts selling individual things on its platform. Then I believe it's removed the selling portion and it's trying to do social uh, again, or real world social. Of course, no one's doing real world social now. So this is probably an accelerated situation. This company has just been going downhill for a while. This is, this is a tough situation for them. We might start seeing the old, the old already troubled companies start to fall during this time. I mean, yeah. Groupon's like, they want to hire a new CEO. What are they going to do? Frankly, at this point, where are they going to pivot during this time to both survive and then move on? Yeah, I know it's our next story, but it's kind of related. I think when reading that WeWork might be the first casualty in this, uh, uh, of uh, the coronavirus. Well, I feel first, zero sympathy for that. Uh, uh, yeah, not much sympathy there. But I think this, I mean, more broadly speaking, I think my perspective is Groupon has always been an interesting case study because their whole premise from the beginning is we're going to put together discounts for different businesses and you know provide you an avenue to, to purchase them, right? But that's just subsidized by VC money. Right. right now there's there's not going to be any money right? right people are pretty you know or just debt financing and there's other things but yeah they're that what their so, money is is their money is at this point yeah so it's like you're a great product you solved a very interesting problem or at the time you did something really uh innovative but then what is it what are you as a business do you really have a long-term chance as a business so i would i would say um yes like looking at the casualties of what's going on of like even forget even old companies we can as you said discuss that later i just wanted to go to like softbank because it's pretty much very related right so it reneged on its three billion dollar deal with WeWork, right it's using you know if you will the coronavirus as a cloud cover like probably most companies are to sh probably shake up certain things and then it's letting one web tank that was a right. satellite uh a company is the mimic satellites for to try to make a mesh internet network exactly uh, they were kind of competing with SpaceX in that regard. So OneWeb raised $3.4 billion, $2 billion of which is from SoftBank. And SoftBank decided, like, they were going back and forth recently to get more funding, and SoftBank said no. So OneWeb is uh, filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> SoftBank is selling up to $41 billion worth of assets. Okay, chapter 11, the bad one, or Chapter 7? Chapter 7, one. I think, is a really bad one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then SoftBank lastly is selling $41 billion worth of assets. Um, some of it Alibaba stock. So this is just, you know, some of the companies on top of the 3 million, 3.25 million in the States per that one week. So it went from like 280,000 to 3.28 million. In Canada, it was a million people. This is about 5% of, yeah, 5% of the, the Canadian labor force that is, uh, that filed for unemployment benefits. So you're seeing that right across like bars. I think here I saw uh, an article before even the state of emergency, like two weeks ago, folks were saying that if, if we came under a lockdown, 20% of downtown Vancouver uh, or restaurants would, would be out of business. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it's 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 across it's it's everywhere, right? So we, if we look at WeWork specifically, their intellectual or rather their their trademarks, the WeWork name, tainted. No, there's no point of doing that. What they really have is just land rights at this point or leases with different buildings. Which so, they're they're pretty much screwed because yes. people don't want to go for an office now. Right. But I do wonder is like in the, the strip selling for a lot of these companies, what comes in and what takes these and how did and how did they get utilized i was reading that black uh blackstone has mm -hmm. become like is it number one or one of the largest uh real estate office real estate mm -hmm. or just general real estate uh folks so one thing could be private equity could come in right right everybody yep. has enough money they Buying can distressed assets that's what they do yeah i mean of course the typical you have, you have your typical folks, right? Like Google, Facebook, whoever has money, billions and billions of dollars on hand will try to take advantage. I know Amazon, the Amazon the had the infrastructure really, to utilize it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I know Amazon took a lot of grief for how they went about their HQ2, but they could also stand to benefit from this as well. They're trying to hire a lot, a lot of people. I don't know. So this is Brooklyn we're talking about. <laughs> so the last part is of course, you know, you mentioned infrastructure earlier, is the continued reduction of streaming quality. I know we touched upon this last week where I think it was first initiated by Europe asking like Netflix to reduce their streaming. And then from there, a bunch of, right? So Netflix, YouTube, Amazon uh, Prime, mm -hmm. Disney Plus uh, have, have dropped. But now I'm seeing Sony is reducing uh, PlayStation Network downloads in EU and US. Mm -hmm. Netflix has started saying that they'll uh, reduce their streaming quality in Canada. Right. So, so yeah, basically, it looks like Canada. Go back Europe, to the US. days of taking two days to download a game again. Well, so Netflix said they reduced their quality by their bit rate by 25%. I don't know what their current bit rate is, so it's just numbers to me, but it was just a small story. But just, uh, just wanted to add it that you were just seeing this continued reduction of streaming quality and it's coming from places you wouldn't have expected like sony playstation network reducing their download speeds like okay i guess that makes sense i guess probably most people are staying home and gaming more and downloading more and consuming more and more content i wonder one thing i haven't seen at least is twitch maybe i have to go search this but i haven't seen twitch i've seen you know youtube netflix the usual suspects but i haven't seen twitch because twitch is seeing a huge rise in in um in, in uh, usage, which mm -hmm. an interesting side note that I saw is that people will live stream on Twitch and then post upload the video to YouTube. Yep. Because YouTube is basically Double great for archival. Yeah. Well, YouTube is also good for archival, but I don't think Twitch like most streams last that long. Once no, they, once them. once your stream it's done, yeah. and you have a little bit of replay. Right. I I would be interested just to think if whether or not Twitch has always kind of been more optimized because it's always been dependent on your own upload, thus right. probably has a lower quality to begin with, but that's just pure speculation. Johnny, speaking of streaming data and dun, streaming dun, wars, dun. why is it always that's the sound effect? Speaking of which, something we haven't actually discussed, this is episode 10. Hey! See, different sound effects. Yes. Te well, yes, technically last week was episode 10, but we lost an episode anyways, regardless of that. 
It's okay. We're gonna br we're gonna bring it back with. Uh, oh, it'll be interesting to do quarterly earnings. Uh, the next quarterly earnings. No, it wasn't quarterly earnings that we lost. It was uh, uh what was it? The episode. Oh, about the discussion the of the decade. No, the where biggest we... missed opportunities of the decade. Yes. Well, yeah. So we talked about where we talked about uh, Microsoft and Yahoo. Yes. We'll. What was I about to say? We'll we'll get that. We'll get that in twenty twenty. We'll get that in twenty thirty. There you go. And we'll look over 2020 to 2029. We'll be at episode uh, 10,000. All right. <clears throat> main topic. Then. All right. So the main topic is, of course, the streaming wars. So we talked about, of course, how there's more streaming going on, how different uh, streaming services have had to decrease their overall bandwidth. We decided this would be a great week to just talk about the streaming ecosystem in general kind of the big changes that happened seemingly all at once uh, announced last year and happening now. And I thought the format that would really work for this is in streaming right now, Netflix is the undisputed king. Well, what we want to do is we'll go, we'll run down each of these different streaming players. We'll talk about kind of their parent companies, their subscriber base, cash on hand, kind of their different plans. And we'll talk about them each in terms of, are they a competitor to Netflix? What brought us to the point now where we're having a conversation is, so Netflix for the longest time was more or less an undisputed and unchallenged king of streaming services. But starting next, uh, last year with Disney announcing Disney+, Plus, AT&T announcing HBO Max, Comcast announcing Peacock, and all of these other streaming services all kind of popping up and taking potential market share and more importantly taking content off of the Netflix war chest, if you will. We decided now will be a wonderful time to really discuss the changes that are going on within the streaming space and kind of where we think the streaming space is going as a result to all of these new players all of a sudden joining in. So just some numbers and statistics about Netflix. So it's a kind of our gold standard here of which everyone is shooting for. Netflix today has 167 million subscribers at the end of 2019, last count. Its market cap is $156 billion. It has $5.5 billion cash on hand. That's kind of its financials. So the cost of a Netflix streaming service is $8.99 for its basic, then $12.99 and $15.99 higher tiers. The main difference between the different cost structures is just how many simultaneous devices that you can independently stream on. Netflix, in terms of content, has over 5,000 total titles, and it has over 2,000 hours of original content produced just last year. So that is the gold standard of which we are trying to, to say, hey, do others compete with? So the, the one other thing I just want to add, which will provide some context for some of these numbers, because I did the research on Hulu, and they have mm -hmm. not as many, but for certain very obvious reasons, is that you know, Netflix, of course, they, they're primarily a U.S. company. They expanded in 2010 to, like, uh, Canada and started expanding to a few countries here and there over the years. But it was in 2016 that they just said, we're going to go everywhere except China, Syria, North Korea, and the territory of Crimea. But they're pretty much, Netflix has basically became a global service. One of the things that I found is innovative, now we don't think about it, is even movies sometimes, right? For the most part, they come out around the same time. But even movies... They come out sometimes like a week apart in different countries and regions and and dvds or like a tv show being available sometimes you have to of course there's there's always been piracy and you can always stream it through other means but the fact that a new tv show can come out and it's available everywhere 
mm-hmm. to me was just mind boggling. It's like, wow, this is actually something new. Like I can go tell my parents like, Hey, you know, Narcos, which my mom watches is out. Like you and I can watch it at the same time. And now in today's uh, social distancing world, there's services like Netflix party that allows you to watch movies together with your friend. All right. Disney plus it was launched November 12th. It's uh, been interesting. So a couple of different anecdotes uh, and you can tell me if there's anything more you want me to go over, but they, you know, they launched November 12th, 2019. Their big push is like, Hey, of course we're Disney. Right? Mm-hmm. All your, all the kids shows, the Disney channel, what have you, uh, all, uh, they have Marvel. ABC uh, and ESPN are technically also under their umbrella. Yes. ABC, ESPN. Uh, though ESPN has its own ESPN plus service as yep. well. So I don't know yep. how that's full, will fold, but yeah, so Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, a lot of movies, but there's a bit of a nuance there because it didn't have like, for example, all the Marvel movies from day one, there's certain mm-hmm. movies missing. It didn't have some, all of the Star Wars movies, but it also has the Star Wars TV shows as well. Right. But again, not everything. That's always like the, the, the devils in the details, right. Especially with these contracts and how it works because Netflix up to a certain point is still going to be streaming uh, some of the Marvel movies. Yep. So until some like of all of that. So, run out. Yeah, exactly. And some of these contracts, they can be a little, uh, really interesting when you get to the new songs. But anyways, that's their big thing, right? We have all these things. We're one place. Uh, so their big push from a strategy perspective is, you know, if you have kids and your kids obviously watch Disney Channel and all the, all of those shows there. Well, now the only place to go watch that is Disney Plus, right? So if you're a family, I think there's a big push to go be, you know, with Disney. As of February 3rd, 2020, which was about a month ago, they said there was 28.6 million subscribers and having mm-hmm. gained 10 million in launch date, that means like they gained one third of their current subscribers on their launch date around their launch date. It's um, actually interesting. I did not realize that. So going, just looking at their stats, I didn't realize that their market cap and their cash on hand is actually incredibly comparable to Netflix. Yeah. Market cap as of March 28th, yesterday, market time can change, going to change over the weekend is $174 billion. Mm-hmm. Cash on hand as of December 31st, so last quarter was $6.833 billion, a 53% increase year over year. And then just to get over the price, so the price for Disney Plus is $6.99 per month or $69.99 annually for the US. And then because I'm in Canada, it's $8.99 monthly or $89.99 Canadian uh, for the year. Um, and again, like I said, their strategy has been, hey, we're Disney. We have all the kids shows that you guys love to watch. You know, if you're a family, you probably subscribe to us. Uh, but yeah, so what, how does that compare with Netflix, their financials? Yeah, so Netflix is $156 billion market cap and $5.5 billion on hand. It's interesting. It shows you kind of how powerful Netflix is because Disney's, of course, market cap is not just Disney's plus. It's all of their theme parks, all of their content, all of their movies, all of that kind of things. Yes, there's more costs associated, but it really shows you how much money Netflix generates. I believe, yes, it, uh, Disney Plus is a threat. As I mentioned, their strategy of, hey, we, have, we, will, we will have all the Marvel, all the Star Wars, all the Pixar, all You're your gonna have Marvel original content on there. As well as that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Netflix original. I mean, with the, you know, the Daredevil Punisher. The they, I believe they still Defenders. own all of those, but they can't make any more. Right. So, but I don't know moving forward how they'll do it. Like there's all those politics of that as well. But yeah, so I think definitely they're a threat to Netflix. 
because again, I, and I'll touch upon this several times is, and you kind of touched on this, how powerful Netflix is, is Netflix's core business is this, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix does just streaming, right? It's a big and say, open source. That's they a were one of the, They're the independent. They are the independent in this. You know, on the technology side, you know, they're big on open source. They've been a pioneer, cloud, AWS. They're one of the, you know, big companies that really push AWS and innovate with them. Uh, but their core business is streaming. They don't have anything else. And I think they have like over $12 billion worth of debt or growing because, you know, they have to continue to finance these uh, originals. But, yep. but Disney, you know, Disney Plus, that's the market cap is of Disney, which has theme parks, which research closed right now. Um, uh, ESPN, which even though it's been dwindling, still is a cash cow for them, I imagine. ABC, the, all the different channels, the Disney Channel, uh, all the different shows, the movies, uh, you know, let's not forget how much Disney basically dominated the box office. How much did Endgame generate? Like almost three billion. Three I billion. Think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So this just also says that Disney plus is a, obviously it's a part of their future, but it's, it's not their core business, at least not today. Right. And it probably yeah. will not, maybe it will be right. Because in this day and age of, of internet, but with- the interesting thing is Disney Plus is actually what's keeping up the Disney stock right now during all of the closings and all of the delays in movies. Yeah. yeah. So it'll like, be its future, but it can be propped up, mm-hmm. right? They're competing on price. They're competing on content, stealing all of Netflix's Marvel and Star Wars content away from them, making new Marvel and Star Wars. There's going to be a new Clone Wars on, uh, on Disney. Yeah. They, uh, the Mandalorian. Let's not. Yes. Sorry, I should have should have mentioned the Mandalorian, which was a yep. great show. I was watching it with friends. Uh, oh yeah, great show. WandaVision with you know of, with of course all of these actors and characters that we've gotten used to from the ten Falcon. years. Falcon, yes, Falcon, and Winter Soldier. Uh, all of these TV Loki? shows. Loki, Loki. You can't. Oh yes, Loki. You gotta love Loki. Yep. You gotta love Loki. These are a, these are top celebrities and these are top actors now doing streaming movies, new content yeah. on this. This is this what? is pretty pretty different it is it is um but to to answer your second question Mm -hmm. right now i don't see myself paying for for disney plus interesting enough i didn't realize it was 6.99 a month or 70 dollars a year i do see myself paying for disney plus mostly because i'm a i'm a big marvel fan do we want to do the next biggest challenger or one of the older okay i'll let you do it you should do hbo and then maybe afterwards i'll do apple tv plus sure let's do hbo max all right, so HBO Max is planned to release in 2020 uh, in May. And its parent company of HBO is HBO Max. This is a streaming service, not HBO Wait, Plus or anything else that's already existed. Didn't HBO already have something that existed? It has a litany of things that existed. None of them are the standalone. Oh, so in okay. the past, there was HBO Plus, but you had to be a subscriber uh, of one of the different HBO services. You couldn't get it standalone. So HBO Max will come out in May 2020. Parent company of HBO, of course, is AT&T through their Time Warner acquisition, uh, I believe two years ago. And the market cap, of course, of AT&T is $214 billion. Cash on hand is $12 billion. It's actually one of the larger cash on hands that we're talking about. However, it has a $150 billion debt from a litany of bad purchases it's made in the past. So, of course, has the fact that it hasn't been released yet, there's no subscriber numbers. However, AT&T has stated that their goal is to get to 50 million subscribers by 2025. So within the next five years to reach around a third of Netflix's subscriber base. It will cost $14.99 uh, per month. 
and it will be free for people who are already HBO Now subscribers. So HBO Now, that's their existing service. Okay, interesting. So I think a couple things. I think they, they were they the ones that paid a hundred million to for Friends. Mm-hmm. Yes, they so took Friends off it, of Netflix. Is it is it NBC that owns? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It was NBC who owns the distribution rights, yeah. and they sold it, licensed it out now to. Oh, that's interesting. They licensed it out to to HBO now. That's interesting because NBC. For, we'll get to it. NBC has a player, five hundred million dollars. Yeah, exactly. For a so show that thing, has right? not aired in twenty years. It's, 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 it's insane how much, uh, so the other interesting thing is for the Green Lantern and DC shows that you mentioned, cause the CW already has, uh, the flash. Yes. Uh, they have uh, Supergirl. They used to have arrow. They used to have arrow. Of course, arrow now just wrapped up eight seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, uh, back, back, so back girl. They have Batwoman. Batwoman. So Batwoman. Yeah. Batwoman and, and super, Supergirl. So yeah, and, and then uh, they, they, the, they the thing everybody. of tomorrow, heroes of tomorrow, or something like that. Yes, the, the that one too. So they have a bunch of their shows, which I don't think is tied to AT and T. I think they're a separate entity. So that's it's also the, interesting. It's owned by Warner Media altogether, and AT and T owns Warner, so AT and T oh, owns okay. them. But okay. it's not in a. I don't believe those are in HBO Max yet because they still have TV deals right now. Yeah, actually, the, the, so this kind of underscores the fragmentation of this, right? So the CW has an agreement with Netflix. Mm-hmm. So there, as soon as the season ends, it'll like a week later, it'll start showing each episode on uh, Netflix. And of course, Netflix has the entire backlog of all the seasons for like The Flash. Because uh, I used to watch Arrow in the States, and that's how I got introduced to it, because it was on Netflix. Um, so that's, that's right. interesting. Another key thing that has been a trend for HBO. So HBO used to be known for unique adult content. So Sopranos, Game of Thrones, things that are for more mature, uh, more sophisticated, if you will, audiences, uh, more highbrow television. House of Cards came along. Mad Men came along on uh, AMC. Uh, Daredevil series came along. All these different things. Everyone, The Mandalorian, all of these high quality, high content is now going on to these different platforms. HBO does not have a monopoly anymore on more sophisticated television, if you will. So I wonder with that situation, I mean, if it's hits recently, it's just been depending on Game of Thrones uh, up until last year. So I do wonder with that kind of uniqueness gone, what is gonna draw me towards HBO? I don't know. I don't really know what's gonna draw me to HBO in the future. So because of that, I don't see HBO Max as a competitor or a threat. I don't think this will be a threat. And I think this will basically become a content game, right? Mm-hmm. You've already said that with Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talk about DC. If they can get some great DC shows and <laughs> put them exclusively there, maybe right. that'll be something like, oh, I really want to watch like a new Batman TV show, right? That might be super exciting because I love Batman. Uh, but I will Superman. also note there is an there is another DC streaming service, oh, Jesus. which is more for their cartoons. Uh, it's called DC Universe. It's seventy four dollars a year. You see, like, this again speaks to the fragmentation and yep. confusion. And I think uh, I, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I think this is where companies like Netflix, uh, companies like uh, Disney Plus, companies like Apple TV Plus make it very simple, right? So for Netflix, you pay more 
to get more than one person to use at the same time and to get right. better quality at some point, right? So it's pretty straightforward. If you live by yourself, you just get the basic and that's it, right? Um, even if you're with, um, uh, and then if you have a, you know someone second, you wanna share it, then you might get this, the next level up, right? And then with like Apple Plus, it's just one price right now, right? And with uh, uh, Disney Plus, it's also one price right now. But these guys, I think HBO just seems like the most confusing because at least with Hulu, uh, it has certain pricing already in place, which kind of makes sense, right? Oh, I just want to get this. I'll get like, I'll just get basic, I'll get premium, or I want live TV with one of those, right? But with HBO, it's kind of like all over the place. Mm -hmm. So I think that will hurt it. So I don't see it as a threat. Would I sign up for it? No, I'd probably find another way to watch any of these shows. Why don't we go into the Hulu next? All right. They're interesting. They, they, what, what are they at this point is an interesting question. So I had to add a couple things for, for Hulu. Hulu's uh, number of subscribers is 30.7 million. And uh, this is why earlier I set this context. So How long has Hulu been around? Oh, yeah, yeah. So 2007. So, yes, it's been around one of the longest, but somehow it's been definitely dwarfed by Netflix. Okay, so 30.7 million subscribers. Uh, it, it, it was started because it was owned by three different networks, right? Yes. News Corp, NBC Universal, and Disney. Now uh, Disney has a control interest, controlling did interest. NBC sell, did NBC sell out their shares? I don't know what the One of those are. sold out their shares. They did. But I don't know that. I just know Disney is, has a controlling interest, so I treated Disney as a parent company. But Hulu does. While HBO has had... Uh, multiple owners in the past, at least I always had one, and then now it's like AT&T, which also right. messes with your priorities. But with Hulu, Hulu is just three, three folks, three, three cooks in the kitchen. Um, so it started by, uh, if you wanted to watch like next day area of network TV shows from ABC, NBC, and Fox for one price, Hulu is the only way to do it. Uh, it's only available in the US and Japan, hence the 30 million kind of a little bit puts a bit more context to it. Um, Forty-seven percent of Hulu live TV subscribers watch live TV and on-demand content daily, and it accounts for fourteen percent of TV streaming hours. So when, it's, when we say live TV, what does that mean? Is it actually as it airs, or yes? As it oh, airs. okay. So the, the, so taking a step back, its pricing structure, which it, it, its pricing structure is uh, basic for five ninety-nine, which is ad-supported. Then there's premium for eleven ninety nine. This is all monthly, by the way. And but premium is also they say premium is almost completely ad free. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't use Hulu, so I don't know. But then the next level is you can get the basic with live TV for fifty four ninety nine. So it's a cable subscription at that point. Pretty much. I think it's like sixty plus channels. Uh, yeah, Hulu plus live TV subscribers gain access to sixty plus channels of live TV. And then finally, of course, you have <laughs> Premium, <laughs> premium plus live TV for sixty ninety nine per month, um, aka a cable package. <laughs> basically, so I mean, it, it kind of shows its heritage too, right? It came out right. from, from the from the cable networks. So, I, not to jump ahead, I have to ask a real question of this, which is, why last would part. anyone buy this over cable? Last part, last part. Uh -huh. So, it did get into original programming? I think the Handmaid's Tale is. Oh yeah, watched it, but yeah. it's become really, really popular. So it looks like its original programming is getting better, more popular. Of course, nothing compared to Netflix. And I, like I said earlier, I treat it uh, the parent companies to be Disney. So Disney has 174 billion 
market cap with uh, about six billion, almost seven billion in cash as of last quarter. Yeah, whenever people talk about Hulu, they talk about it as if it's a Disney owned and driven property. So I have to assume that Disney has a lot of say in the, the strategy of Hulu. Which just makes it even more confusing for the, the average. You know what, here's an app idea. I know we don't, we don't get to it later, but I know there's apps out there or websites out there that show what content is happening and Netflix and all that. I think we need yep. to have one that will track across like the, let's say you don't need to take every show, but just take the most popular 100, 500 shows uh, across TV, pick the most popular from the different, like obviously like House of Cards was popular or whatever, Stranger Things right now on Netflix, whatever is popular on Amazon Prime, bring everything together and just have one place to say, I want to watch this. Where do I go? And what's the cheapest way for me to subscribe? Because one of the things- It's called justwatch.com. There you go. Though it doesn't do the second part of what you were saying. But that's, yeah, okay. So like, there's an app idea. There's an app idea. Where can right. I stream? Uh, we need a streaming guide at this point. Because the other we thing is- We need a channel guide for streaming. We do. Because the other thing is we need to know um, the, the, the pricing. Mm -hmm. it, it just gets more and more complicated. But uh, the other thing I will say is this, right? I think what you will see is you're not necessarily loyal to this. So right. with your cable- and I, I just want to address this here is with your cable you're tied in, you're locked you're tied in, in right? You. It's a yep. device. Somebody has to come in, has to install it. It's a contract. And even then it's like, okay, now I have to call you, remove it. Then I need to have another technician and under normal circumstances, not everybody's working from home. So then you have to like time it. So it's always a hassle to change, right? With this, it's as simple as go and pause my subscription, right? Right. Uh, you don't even need to delete your account. So I could see you, you know, let's say a new game of the spinoff is great and you're like, I really want to watch this. You're going to go subscribe. Maybe, maybe once everything's out, maybe you'll subscribe for a month and binge watch that. Or even just do a free trial at 30 days and stop it. I was going to say, that's interesting because it does kind of speak to the, it, it could be a great benefit of all of these streaming services in that to try to keep you, all of these streaming services are going to need to step up the re, step up keeping a full year of interesting content on uh, always new interesting content out but anyways wrap up wrapping up hulu threat yes no i don't i don't think it's a threat and i wouldn't sign up for hulu all right so speaking of one of the parent companies of hulu nbc universal so let's oh. go to nbc peacock now which is planned planned it's been it's, it's been it's been a uh, a casualty of of uh, <laughs> coronavirus. Did they, did they push back that date? But I'm pretty sure they did. I was, I was sorry, just attracted to this is that NBC spent $1 billion for the mm -hmm. exclusive rights to stream uh, or to the Olympics. broadcast the Olympics, yep. which had been postponed until next year. And I think that was, I don't know, but I was, I was listening to this on another podcast and they were saying that it might've been part of their marketing strategy for Peacock. But, right, and I know they've had their. It absolutely is the part of their marketing strategy. The the Star Trek Picard. They had yes. the Discovery that they released last year. Yeah, I don't know if they released it, but anyways, those are all things I think they were going to use for marketing, and I think that's been hit. So yes. it's been delayed. It's, carry on. So yes, NBA, uh, NBA, NBC Peacock planned for a July fifteenth release, or at least it was planned for a July fifteenth release. Parent company, of course, of NBC is Comcast, and. Interesting thing about that is, so look, I was looking at subscriber numbers. I was trying to find, of course, Peacock doesn't release yet. Comcast total only has 21.25 million video subscribers. 
And that's been downwards trending. These are their cable subscribers for Comcast. And that's been downwards trending over the past several years. However, Comcast does have also an incredibly comparable market cap to all of these other players. So it does kind of seem like you need just X amount of money to even compete in this space. Uh, Comcast has $157.4 billion market cap, has about $5 billion cash on hand, which makes it incredibly comparable to Netflix. So the cost of NBC Peacock, there'll be a free tier with ads. Then there'll be a $4.99 tier with less ads. And that actually, for if you're already a Comcast subscriber, that would just come bundled with your Comcast system. Therefore, there will be at least 21.25 million subscribers to NBC Peacock the moment they release it. Content is mostly traditional TV and some new originals. Now, they are doing some live as well, or they were planning some live, which is they're going to stream The Tonight Show live because, of course, NBC owns that. And they're going to stream, I believe, three hours before it actually airs in uh, on the east coast because of course the night show is filmed in the afternoon and then there's the olympics as well whenever they happen nbc still has the rights to be the exclusive streaming partner for them the only thing that makes them interesting to me besides the fact that they have this big conglomerate of comcast behind them is that there will be the first for live sports granted it's the olympics but still it's they're the first outside of espn plus i believe who has a big major sports event that they're streaming live with their, with their service and their system on there. So that, and they also say, of course, a big driver of live TV. If you look at the ratings, some of the highest rated things on live television, of course, the Super Bowl and other live sports uh, are championship games and so on and so forth. So they, NBC, I know they're one of the providers that I believe has Sunday night football or something. And they have these different deals. So they're already making a play to move live sports into the streaming space. And if live sports is big of a driver in streaming as it is in live TV, that is a big deal. And that is a differentiating factor for them. However, do I think they're a threat anytime soon? No. And would I actually get one of these? By definition, that I was a Comcast. I actually don't know this. I was a Comcast cable subscriber, but now I think I'm just an Xfinity internet subscriber. So I don't think this is free. I don't think this is uh, free for me. So I don't think I'm going to get this. The, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I don't think they're a threat and I wouldn't get Peacock. Why don't we move to the interesting players? So we've, we've somehow bundled these coincidentally in a very interesting way in that the next two players we have are uh, belong to gigantic tech companies so johnny apple tv yeah apple tv plus also launched in november 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 1st 2019 it, they estimated that they got about 36 33.6 million subscribers in the u.s by the fourth quarter 2019 so two months uh, but in january there was based on some analysis from their first quarter results they said that fewer than 10 million consumers had opted for their free 12-month trial of Apple TV Plus, which had opted for their free 12-month trial. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. equates this equates to 10% or fewer of eligible customers. That's interesting. Um, financials, of course, Apple are the most valued, highly valued. Uh, company the in most the world. highly valued company in the world. Are the least high, right the most highly valued? No, Amazon's they're, they're under the, a trillion now. Is it okay? Fine. 
Because I know between them, Microsoft and Amazon, they were the ones touching a drone. Anyways, as of this weekend, March 28th, 2020, market cap of $1.08 trillion, cash on hand of $207.06 Or is it the market cap of Netflix? Dollars as of January 28, 2020. Their price is $4.99 per month. But they also have this offer that if you go to Apple Plus, their website, you can see that they say get one year free when you buy an Apple device. So that means, you know, most people will be getting iPhones, iPads. I don't know if this extends to Macs. I'd imagine it would. Why wouldn't it? That's an Apple device. But typically, I'd imagine most of your mobile devices. What uh, if I content. buy a dongle? Will I get, what if I buy a dongle? Will I get a free no. Apple TV screen? No. no, it doesn't have a screen. It doesn't have a screen. Sure, sure. Darn. No, and you can't connect it to a screen. No. They still sell the iPod Shuffle? No, you just have to settle for an iPod touch. So in terms of content, as far as I know, I think they're doing a lot of mostly their own originals. Um, of course, what is it that they, I heard that they were spending? Like either two to six billion dollars. I have to go and verify this, but of course, you know they have two, over two hundred billion in cash. They can spend however much they want. This is a side project, but anyways, Apple originals. They have TV shows. They have movies that are coming out. Actually. Just watched a TV, a new movie with Chris Evans that's coming out uh, based on a book. Uh, trends. I the one thing I've seen is like their their shows so far are not the worst, but not the greatest. They're kind of like a B, A minus, E plus area. Um, and of course, because they give that one year free, uh, you'll see continued rise of subscribers as folks always get new iPhones, iPads, uh, Mac uh, devices, right? So. That's what I have, and I think we can spend next time focusing on how their strategy plays. Right. Um, are they, as of right now, I wouldn't cl classify them as a threat, mm -hmm. mostly because the, the reviews of their, of their um, shows hasn't been the greatest. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, they can use the reach and ease, right? It's, if it's super, if two clicks, I can start watching and be subscribed to Apple TV+. Plus. We always know people are really bad at following up with these subscriptions and canceling them. That can be the big advantage, but they obviously need, the thing that we've already kind of identified here in this whole strategy is that you need to have content to keep people bringing it in, right? Otherwise, there's nothing stopping us from canceling our Netflix uh, uh, subscription next week, right? Or right. our Amazon, so yeah. So I Potential threat, potential I, threat. Yes. And, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get Apple TV Plus. I actually think they are a threat. So this is why. I don't think their service is a threat. I think Apple is a threat. And that Apple's the one company that could potentially, and there's, there would be, of course, antitrust things that go along with it, but they're the one company that could potentially purchase every other company on this list just with cash on hand. They could do a pure straight cash acquisition of any of these other companies. That's true, but we know Apple hasn't been, uh, that's not... Yeah, it's, it's not their MO. DNA. It's, it's not definitely MO. not their yeah. MO. But I think Apple, but they could purchase a smaller player. They could wait okay. for like Hulu to drop. They could wait for something else to fail. They could purchase, you know, XYZ different player in this and instantly have a different uh, a foothold. Speaking of humongous tech conglomerates, the last one, we go over Amazon Prime Video. So interesting thing with Amazon Prime Video is bundled with Prime. So it technically has 112 million subscribers who are paying a lot of money for a service they probably don't use. Of course, the parent companies- Especially not right now. Yes. 
Of course, the parent company is Amazon. Market cap right now, because it dropped under a trillion, is four hundred. Uh, sorry, uh, nine hundred and forty-five billion dollars. Cash on hand, fifty-five billion. And the cost of Amazon Prime Video, if you don't have a Prime membership, is about eight ninety-nine a month, and it's free with Prime membership. So, of course, I looked up kind of the interesting information around the content that's available there. And I have Prime and I've never used Amazon Prime Video, uh, except for maybe once or twice. I was looking at the movies and TV shows and I was just like, these seem like a lot of the movies and TV shows you get for free on airplanes. It kind of seems like the market that Amazon Prime has covered. Airplane TV, uh, airplane originals. Uh, They have some good originals. For example, they had Man in the High Castle, which I think I saw one episode of, which was pretty good. And they also had The Boys as well, which is a very well-claimed uh, independent comic book series. And I believe the TV show is also pretty good as well. So one interesting thing that I did note of a trend, and this kind of speaks to the strategy, which we'll talk about uh, in, the, in the next episode, is they have this new series called Making the Cut and another one called The World's Toughest Race. So what they are is they've taken established celebrities that just so happen to either have existing TV shows and a built-in audience, but also are related to areas that Amazon cares about. So for example, Making the Cut is basically Project Runway. And it's Heidi Klum and the other person who was the, in charge of that. And Amazon wants to move into fashion. And they've been trying to move into fashion as one of their large investment areas. World's Toughest Race with Bear Grylls, outdoorsy stuff, another area, camping uh, equipment. A- Amazon is very interesting in this, in, uh, in this particular place. Now, however, a thing to note about Amazon videos at the very least is that their head of the division over all of Amazon content is actually on a one-year sabbatical. So Jeff Blackburn, he's not back from his sabbatical yet. So they're kind of missing their overall leader for this division. And one of Bezos's number twos for his company. Now, are they a threat? I don't think they're a threat and we'll talk about this next week because i don't think amazon cares to make it a threat and would i buy it technically i already have it and i don't use it johnny any thoughts on amazon prime video i say they're a potential threat i know we'll speak more to this later but in the same way like for them it's just another reason to get prime but really i was gonna say a fellow subscriber of amazon prime video johnny We'll get to that. So, as you said, right, they're getting into these certain TV shows because they want to get into that business. So, really, this is being used to sell more stuff. Yep. Right? That's really what it is. And that is why it is, to me, a potential threat. Because, yes, they don't really care. But, like, while Netflix is just doing this, Amazon's like, well, this is our side project. We can just throw some money at it and let's see how it goes. Um, so I think from that side, it is a potential threat, but obviously they need to step up their content, which they, they're starting to, right? So I was, I actually did like Man in the High Castle. I didn't think I watched it after the first season or second season, but, but I heard good things about the boys. They have like their treadstone. They have the, the guy, Emily Blunt's husband, Jack from the office. And, uh, um, I forget the show, but anyways, they have a lot of interesting Original Jack Reacher, content that they, yes, Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So they're doing a lot of original content, but they also have some stuff like The Mentalist, uh, House, uh, you know, all the seasons. So 
they're there. They're doing a better job now. And I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But if they keep getting more content and, and again, remember, even though you can get prime video by itself, it's originally was bundled with the rest of prime, right? So, Hey, I'm right. shipping. Maybe I want to watch some movie. That's probably, I use it. Yes. I am a subscriber of Amazon prime. Even when I moved, I signed up for the Canadian one and canceled my American one. Cause there is a difference. Oh, they're but, different. Okay. Yeah. But I would say one of the things I like about Prime Video that I discovered is while Netflix won't let you play content, right. they're always around it, but they won't let you play content, like American content in, in like Canada that's not available in Canada, at least what I used to observe, and maybe it's changed it, is Prime Video would let you play regardless huh. of where you were. Or maybe it was already, but anyways, that was previously. So I use it. Uh, but I, like I said, I use it as a way, like if there's a movie I want to watch and it's not on Netflix, next thing I go check is Prime Video. Because right. it does make streaming easier. But of course, if it's not there, then I have to go find another way. Uh, that's so when I usually is, turn to Potlucker. I was going to say, so this is interesting. And so far as, so you have a Netflix subscription right now, right? So I have a Netflix. So my, I should explain my situation. And right. this could be how we wrap this up. Mine is, I have Netflix. Actually, I think I pay the highest one because I share it with my family. Right, yep. So I have like basically my whole family on there. And that's part of the reason I will never probably cancel Netflix because there's somebody always watching something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, Amazon Prime, um, because mostly for shipping, but I also do end up watching Prime Video. Like I said, if there's not something I want to watch, it's on Netflix, I go check Prime Video. If it's there, I'll watch it. But usually my first starting point is Netflix. So, yeah, I just realized that of all of these streaming services currently, I only subscribe technically to Amazon Prime Video. Oh. Though in the streaming, though in this time of lockdown, Netflix, because I'm a former customer, keeps sending uh, like, oh, three-month free trial. Oh, this free trial. Oh, try this, try this. They're really trying uh, to get back my, my uh, what was yeah. patronage. There we go. Yeah. So, all right. So. These are the, the big players in the streaming space that we looked into. Next week, we'll talk about the strategy and the space as a whole. Uh, but now let's move on to the final section of the podcast, idea of the day. So Johnny, on the spot, brilliant, brilliant idea related to streaming or related to anything we've discussed today for our next, our next startup venture or product. Yeah, I, I would say even though, yes, there, like, I think there's Upflix. I think there's even an app on that to see what's mm-hmm. going on on Netflix what's streaming by country and all that. I think you need something more. I think you showed me just watch. So I, I will go explore that. But I, I think there's an opportunity here to may not be a great business, might be an, just an interesting product is because it's probably free. I don't know what you're going to charge people for this. <laughs> ad based, ad based support. I, that's true. Actually, if you got large enough, then yes, you could do an ad based. And, and Actually, no, no, no. I, I have an idea, but keep t- talk about the general part of this product. I have an idea to, to monetize it. Yeah, so I think a couple of things, right? And there could be information, right? Like, it's just like, hey, I want to know if I can watch this movie, where I can watch this movie. Sometimes I honestly, actually, I really do have this problem, right? I, I come up with a movie or I watch like a trailer or something. And I'm like, hey, I watched, I, I watched this movie a while back or I've never watched this movie. I want to go watch it. So I'll go to Google and I'll typically type movie stream, right? And then usually like YouTube will show up or some other service I never use will show up. 
But I want to have a place, like, of course, I can go to Netflix and search, and I can go to, like, Prime Video and search. I'm like, why don't I just have one place? I can just say, here's a movie. Where can I search? What's the cheapest way that I can see it and for how long? So if, mm-hmm. if no, don't just pull content information, but pull the pricing and time information and say, right. you can sign up for, and sometimes it's free trials. You don't even need to pay, right? So mm-hmm. you, you can sign up for free HBO Max and watch this. And because it's like the whole seven seasons are all out, it's already finished. You can watch the whole thing in this time. Uh, blah 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 like to add a bunch of different factors and provide people that additional information right i think that could be well one i think it's an interesting problem to solve right how do you pull this information how do you make it presentable and i think it is i genuinely have that problem because like i said if i don't end up finding it there i go to put locker and i most of the time can typically find movies but then i always have to end up closing all the stupid ads that they keep popping up on my screen mm-hmm. so i have I, I let, let me, I, I like this idea. Let me take it and uh, let me, uh, this is how you monetize. I got, uh, let's, let's extend this idea. So this is what I think you can do with this, which is, so there is, I'm thinking about like a sign up or a setup experience where you say which things you're interested in, as you mentioned, and it tells you which, uh, which streaming oh. services have them and which ones are. How to get a package. How to get a package. Well, no, no, even beyond the package, because I think that that requires a little bit of, of challenge of coordination. I think even beyond that, there's a few other things. Two things you can add to this. One is, of course, there's new shows coming on and coming off of these services all the time. So, of course, you want to remind people or you want to give them, hey, these services are coming on or these shows are coming on. Do you have any interest in them? And then also, of course, based on what I care about, just like Netflix does, there's a relativity of all of these different shows. So it's like, oh, you're interested in this, therefore you might be interested in this. You're interested in this, you're, therefore you might be interested in this. Now, take this, add it together with your idea, have my credit card be tied to such a service, and it will automatically sign up and cancel and sign up and cancel for these different individual accounts as, uh, what's it called, as I'm telling you, as I'm watching things, and as I'm telling you what I'm interested in. Now, the challenging part of this is Netflix will not give you access to your watch list through an API, uh, or these other things might not give you an access through your watch list through API. Can you, you even sign up? That. Can you even sign up to Netflix yes. upon, uh, uh, like, programmatically, right? Because that's yep. the idea, right? I, yep. We're not, we're not going to be like AI where secretly we have a bunch of people in call centers. Oh, yeah. So it's their, real, it's, it's their real credit card and it's their real sign up. So, I mean, that is like ease of use and trying to figure out, hey, sign up here and and click this user agreement and we'll do that. But it's, it's taking out the ease or it's taking out the, the guesswork of trying to figure out where this content is, because especially I think we'll get to this next and uh, next week as there's so, more proliferation of content, there's more desire to get it easily. Yes. I, I just, my only thing with that is as of right now, I don't see, or maybe I'm wrong. I can go to some research, but I don't see an easy way that these companies will allow you mm-hmm. upon the behalf of somebody else to sign up and sign out of sure. it. So the first step, I think, right. like a kind of MVP is if you know when things are coming and things are going, just the mm-hmm. fact you can send a reminder and you can right. just link directly to here's the place you can sign up to Netflix and here's the place to sign up to get off of Netflix, right? right? At least have that friction of I'm going to remind you mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you that link so you can take that last mile because I can't do that last mile right now. And what I think really... And maybe you can't do it, but you have to, you go to a link and you have to like, uh, right. what's it called? I frame their signup flow. But sure. I think that the key thing that makes this work even more is the relativity. So you have to know what I care about, 
why I've searched for this, what I've done in the past. So that is a little bit limited because no one's going to give you your watch list, but figuring your way around that in order to recommend you more things and, and point out these things. I mean, Netflix, it, the, the great thing it has is a recommendation engine. So yeah, so figuring that out might be this, the interesting this, success challenge. I agree. Uh, I think the other interesting thing about this, uh, and I will get to it next week in more detail, is that if you go to like Amazon Prime, notices with Hulu is, was it Hulu? Um, they have the add-on, mm -hmm. right? So if you go to Amazon, you're like, oh, I really want to watch stars, like power and stuff. You can go and sign up for those additional. And I think Hulu does that as well. Um, and I think Netflix doesn't do that. And I think that could be one of the ways to further differentiate yourself because mm -hmm. in this fragmentation of this market, which is going to continue to happen because it's in the company's best interest, but not the consumer's best interest, you will need to have one place, right? At least this is what I'm thinking. Have the ideal situation would be, be the person that builds the most beautiful interface right. to this, right? And like, you know, Netflix's interface is pretty good. Disney looks okay. Um, Amazon looks okay. Right. So have a really nice interface, but then plug in to all these add-ons. Right. So I don't know, I've never signed up to any of these things. So I don't know how the actual experience is, but if I'm assuming correctly, if I'm on Amazon prime and I sign up for stars, I, mm -hmm. I just get access to stars through the Amazon interface. And if I yeah. like the Amazon interface, then I get the best of both worlds. Right. So I'm not just secluded to that. So of course a company like Netflix would probably not do it cause that's not in their interest. Disney plus and Apple probably would not do it though. I think Apple probably should because they don't really care about this anyways. They just mm -hmm. want to be, I think this is where a company like Apple should win, right? Because they're always about UI and UX, right? Mm -hmm. And for them, this is not their main business. So they should get into the add-on and say, We're, we'll connect you with NBC. We'll connect you with Peacock. We'll connect you with all these other services, live TV to complement our stuff. So we become a one-stop shop that you can still manage your other subscriptions. Because otherwise you're going to end up like all these different services, all these different interfaces and all these different subscriptions. And how do you track all that? I, I know there's services out there to track your general subscription, not specific to streaming, but I think these are some interesting problems yeah. to, to see, right? But so I think if we, if we break down this idea, there's, there's recommendation, there's ease of use, and then there's money saving yeah. uh, or money optimization are the three things that, that make this idea work. Yeah. All right. All right. I like it. I like it. Sorry. So Johnny, I, I expect a alpha by next week. All right. See ya. <laughs> Sure, you know. Yes, the uh, product uh, the product manager has spoken. Uh, I ha I haven't uh, been let go of my job, so there I go. don't have that kind of time. There we go. <laughs> but I right. think it's an interesting idea. You should definitely. I think explore. it's an interesting idea as well. All right, so let's let's wrap things up for this week with that was another episode of the Silicon Trail. Stay healthy, stay safe out there, and have a great week. Stay home. <laughs>